If you like scary stories, you've come to the right place. Welcome to the Maniac on the Loose Scary Stories Podcast. <laughs> Sit back and relax. Keep your arms and legs inside the vehicle at all times and enjoy the ride. The Loft My wife and I recently bought a building in one of the older sections of a city. The first floor of the building was made for a commercial business. We had already come to an agreement to lease it to a company that sold pet supplies. The second and third floors were a nice residential loft apartment. Our plan was to live in the loft apartment. It was in good condition, it didn't need much in the way of work. We had most of our big items already moved in, but still had a lot of other things that needed to be packed and loaded. We slept at the loft on Friday night and went back to our house on Saturday. We were both going to bring a load of items to the loft and then spend the day and night mopping, cleaning bathrooms, and doing some minor painting. We loaded my wife's car up first. She was going to stop at her parents' house on the way to the loft to pick up a few items they were giving us. I had just began loading up my car when she left, so it was clear that she was going to get to the loft well before I would. When I arrived at the building, I grabbed a couple of boxes and carried them upstairs to the loft. As I opened the door to the second floor and set the boxes down, I could hear my wife walking around on the third floor above me. I called out to her to let her know I was there. She answered back, although her voice was muffled and I couldn't make out precisely what she said. I finished unloading my vehicle and began sweeping the second floor, all the while I could still hear my wife walking around on the floor above me. Just as I finished sweeping, I could hear my wife call down to me. Where are you? I'm right down here. You need any help? She didn't reply. I casually walked up to the third floor to see if she needed anything before I went back down to begin mopping the second floor. The third floor mostly consisted of a long corridor that ended at a master bedroom with an attached bathroom. The only other room upstairs was a small guest bedroom that was about halfway down the corridor. I could hear my wife moving things around in the master bedroom, so I walked down the hallway and entered the room. I was a little surprised by what I saw. All of the drawers to the dresser were open, and the clothes that I saw her fold and put in them just the previous night were thrown about the room. What happened up here? My wife wasn't in the bedroom. I heard a noise in the bathroom. The door to the bathroom was open and the light was on, so I stepped inside while asking again, What's with all the clothes on the floor? The moment I finished my sentence, I realized she wasn't in the bathroom. This was strange because I just heard her moving around in there. I thought maybe my ears were playing tricks on me. Maybe she was in the guest bedroom and perhaps that's where I heard the movement from. 
I walked back down the corridor to the guest bedroom and stepped in. The sheets and comforter had been stripped off the bed and were lying on the floor. We had just made up the bed in there the night before, so I was confused. On top of that, my wife was not in the guest bedroom either. I called out again. Sweetie, where are you? I walked down the hall to the stairs and began walking back down to the second floor. Halfway down, I heard my wife's voice again. Come back. I have something for you. Her voice was coming from upstairs, and it sounded deeper than usual. There was a hoarseness to it as though she had a scratchy throat. As I turned to head back upstairs, my cell phone rang. I answered it. It was my wife. Hi, honey. Sorry I'm not there yet. I'm still over at my parents' house. If you like what you're hearing, please consider contributing. Any amount helps. Recurring monthly contributions are best of all. Just go to maniacontheloose.com slash support. That's maniacontheloose.com slash support. The fire. I live in a little house in the deep woods. My nearest neighbor is five miles away. There is an old, worn-down farmhouse across the street sitting on 50 acres of neglected fields. The house has been vacant since I've been here, which is a little over 20 years now. That is, it was vacant. Earlier this summer, several women moved into the house. The house was in rough shape when they bought it, but they had been hammering away at it and actually got it looking quite nice in a short amount of time. I'm not entirely sure how many women live there, at least half a dozen, but it might be more. They all appear to be in their late 30s or early 40s and every one of them has long, white blonde hair. I never talk to any of them, but have waved to a couple of them when we both happen to be in our yards at the same time. From a distance, they seemed nice enough. One evening, just as the sun was setting, I was sitting at my kitchen table drinking a hot cup of coffee and reading a newspaper when I heard a frantic knock at my front door. I hurried to the door and opened it to find one of my female neighbors standing there with an extremely worried look on her pale face. I, I think I set my field on fire. Her icy blue eyes were filled with anxiety and I could tell that she was on the verge of a total freakout. I slipped on my boots and had a hard time keeping up with her as she darted through my yard and up their driveway like a gazelle. As I neared the top of their drive, I could see black smoke rising into the purple sky. 
It was a lot of smoke, but didn't seem widespread, so I was hopeful that I could help contain it before it blazed out of control. I dashed around the back of their house and was finally able to get my eyes on the field. I was staring at a charred circle with a ring of flames around the edges. I counted ten women standing around the edge of the circle. They were all wearing black robes and their whitish locks were flowing in the gentle breeze. The first unusual thing I noticed was that none of the women were panicked. They were all standing stoically with their arms raised above their heads. Then I noticed that the fire wasn't spreading at all. It was being contained by a thick circle of heavy, round stones. Then I noticed something odd in the middle of the circle of fire. It was a gigantic, rustic piece of wood. It was thick, at least eight feet tall, and four feet wide. All of the women encircling the flames began to chant in methodical unison. It was only then that my mind finally caught up with reality, and I realized something was not right. I startled when I felt a hand on my shoulder. I turned to see the woman who only moments ago was standing at my door in an agitated near hysterical state, but now she was calm. She gazed at me stone-faced, her icy blue eyes cold and unfeeling. I didn't even realize she was holding a sledgehammer until she was in the act of swinging it. By the time my brain registered the action, it was too late for me to react. The sledgehammer clocked me in the face and knocked me out cold. Now here I am, stripped naked and tied to this old rustic wooden stake as the group of mysterious women stack a mound of brush and firewood around my legs. It looks like I'm about to be a human sacrifice of some kind. This is probably going to hurt. If you like scary stories and you want to support the show, buy some of my books. I have a whole slew of them, and most of them are just 99 cents. Go to maniacontheloose.com slash books. Again, this is a great way to support the show. That's maniacontheloose.com slash books. The Cafe I was on a road trip from Iowa to Tennessee. I wasn't in a hurry and hate the interstate, so I decided to take the back roads the entire way to enjoy some of the sights and sounds. I stopped at a historic site called Cahokia Mounds, which is a pre-Columbian Native American city known to be the largest archaeological site north of Mexico. I visited the Garden of Gods, which is a hiking spot that is part of the Shawnee National Forest that is known for its breathtaking views. I stayed overnight in a little town called Metropolis that is a shrine to all things Superman. 
Everything was going great until I drove through a sleepy old town in Kentucky. I drove through the historic district of the town, or should I say, what was once the historic district of the town. A few old buildings were still standing but were dominated by vacant lots where neighboring buildings once stood. The buildings that were still upright were in rough shape. Some had boarded up windows. Others were in extreme disrepair. It was a sad remnant of what was once a bustling town in the early 1900s according to a historical marker in the center of the town. Now it's just a few years away from being a total ghost town. There was something creepy about the emptiness and the stillness of the town. The only sign of life I saw was in the form of a few vehicles parked outside of a small diner that was simply called the cafe. I was hungry so I decided to give the cafe some business. I parked and entered the time-worn building. It was a very small old-time diner with a long counter that housed round spinning stools. There was a grill behind the counter and there were four booths set snugly together against the back wall. The cafe was filled with steam from the food sizzling on the grill. I couldn't see what was being cooked but the overwhelming scent was that of onions. There was a jukebox on the side wall playing an old country tune which emphasized the cozy feel of the place but right away I could tell something was off. Under the sound of sizzling food and the music was an eerie silence that was out of place because there were patrons in the establishment. I noticed a couple sitting at one of the booths and a solo man sitting stiffly at the counter. It seemed as though there should have been a little bit of chatter, either from the customers or the employees. And that was another strange thing. I didn't see any employees. No server and no cook, even though there was food on the grill. I opted to seat myself at one of the booths. That's when I noticed that the couple in the nearby booth were sitting unusually still. Mannequin-like. And then out of the blue, the man in the booth fell forward, his head banging against the table with a thud. The woman sitting across from him didn't react at all. Something was seriously wrong. I got up to check on the couple and immediately noticed a pool of blood forming on the table under the man's face. At first I thought maybe he cut himself when he fell forward, but then I gazed at the woman across from him and it all made sense. Her throat had been slit and she was propped up against the back of the seat. I screamed and ran to the man who was sitting at the counter. I grabbed his shoulder and was about to tell him to call the police, but the weight I put on him caused him to lurch forward, and his head rolled off of his shoulders and onto the counter. Someone had decapitated him. That's when I noticed the body behind the counter. It was clearly the cook dressed in white and wearing an apron. He was lying on his stomach. I rushed behind the counter to see if he was still alive, but when I rolled him over, I saw that he had been stabbed in the chest multiple times. He was dead, but blood was still oozing from his wounds and he was still warm. Very warm. He couldn't have been dead for more than a few minutes. 
I startled when I heard the loud metallic clang coming from a small room near the counter. It sounded as though someone knocked something over. That's when it dawned on me that the killer was still there. My fight or flight instinct chose flight, and I hopped over the counter. I could hear more items falling from the room. My impression was that the killer was moving and coming out of that room. They were coming for me. As I reached the door, I could hear footsteps racing toward me from across the cafe. I didn't look back. I bolted from the diner and rushed to my car. It wasn't until I was inside my vehicle with the doors locked that I dared glance back at the cafe. I expected the killer to be rushing at me, but they weren't. I can only assume that I had enough of a lead on them that they decided not to bother giving further chase. I floored it out of the cafe parking lot. After I was a couple miles away, I called the police. We hope you enjoyed the show. We're dying for you to come back for more. <laughs> Visit ManiacOnTheLoose.com, sign up for our newsletter, and I'll give you some free stuff. We'll see you soon. Very soon. If you like the Maniac on the Loose Scary Stories podcast, please subscribe on whatever platform you listen on. Feel free to leave a nice review, too, if you like. And don't be shy about letting other people know about the show. All of these things help us out a ton, and we appreciate it very much.